is an Odyssey original. This is KNX In-Depth. I'm Chris Seedens. And I'm Charles Feldman. Well, if you're headed to the airport today to head east, good luck. Most of the country now covered by a massive storm that's crashed temperatures into the sub-freezing realm. More than 200 million people under some form of a winter weather advisory today. Several thousand flights already canceled. Then there are concerns about getting sick during holiday travel. Now, those big three viruses are far from over. So we are going to go in depth into the cold and whether you'll be able to get to your holiday destination on time and whether you're going to stay healthy. It's it's quite a lot. Oh, and the January 6th committee. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, remember that? They finally released uh, the full report. We are going to take a look into what new information is being made public. You may have noticed this last-minute holiday shoppers are out and about right now. Uh, well, you might think they're just either lazy or procrastinators. The current economic conditions might play a larger role than you might think about people waiting. Uh, we'll go in-depth on that. And how about this? Are you spending the holidays away from your own home, but yet at the home of your spouse. If that doesn't make sense, uh, we'll make sense of it for you. Married couples, more of them these days, living apart, will tell you why. But we start with uh, freezing cold and the storm hitting much of the country. Jim Gudis is a reporter and anchor for WBBM News Radio in Chicago. Jim, thanks for uh, being with us. I, I'm guessing I'm right that very few people in Chicago are sunbathing today. Well, only the crazy ones. (laughs) And, you know, maybe by next week when we get up to 40, some folks might be out there in their tank tops and shorts. But right now, two below is the air temperature. That's not the wind chill. That's the air temperature right now here in Chicago. And that wind is blowing at times up to 50 miles an hour. So we're actually seeing wind chills this afternoon around 40 below at times. So, yeah, no... No sunbathing here in the Chicago area. Yeah, Jim, I grew up with the very cold weather as well, a little north of you. Uh, and it's one thing, it's, it, we should point out, for people here in Southern California, it's one thing to hear the cold temperatures dipping, uh, you know, below zero. But you add that wind chill, and it is, it's downright bone chilling, isn't it? Not only bone chilling, but dangerous. Because when the wind is blowing like that, as you well know from being from this part of the world earlier, you know, your skin can freeze in a matter of moments. It's just amazing how quickly, if you're out there without gloves and a hat and something to cover any part of your skin, when it's this cold and the wind's blowing that hard, it can be a matter of minutes before you're in a situation where you could have some serious damage to your skin because of the frostbite. And that is something that, you know, we've had a fairly mild fall leading into early winter here in Chicago. I mean, for Chicago anyway. And so I think a lot of people, this is really the first major blast of bitter cold and wind. And, you know, like most people, we have to get used to it, even though, you know, we're Chicagoans, we know it's winter, but we kind of ease into it. I think we have this thought that, well, maybe if we just kind of put it off and ignore it, it'll go away. It never does, of course. Yeah. And, but, and, uh, but let me ask you this, Jim, because we mentioned at the very top about how uh, several thousand, I think it's just about 5,000 flights all over the country have now been uh, canceled, plenty, uh, plenty more of them uh, delayed. Of course, uh, where you are in O'Hare Airport, a major hub, a major place for people who are getting off one plane, getting onto another plane. What is the situation like at O'Hare? And also, what's the situation like if you have to try to drive to the airport with all that blowing snow, I presume? 
Well, we'll start with the airports. O'Hare right now, just under 500 cancellations today, which in this type of weather is not all that unusual. But here's something that's interesting. At the much smaller Midway Airport, they jumped from about, oh, a couple of dozen cancellations a few hours ago. They're now up to over 300. So that kind of gives you an indication of just how the wind and the blowing snow is causing a problem. And as you mentioned, part of the problem is just driving to the airport because what's happening is, you know, the crews are out, they're salting, they're plowing. But with this wind and the snow, very dry and light, basically it just blows right back on the road. So Mm -hmm. even though they've been out there since last night, you know, getting those roads, trying to keep them clear, it's, it's really a losing battle a lot of times because the wind keeps blowing the snow back on the road. And because it's so cold, the salt's not all that effective. So, yeah, getting to the airport might be the hardest part. Jim, you know all about this. Charles, you grew up on the East Coast, New York, so you know about this and the driving conditions. I grew up in, in central Canada, so I know all about this, where there's the ridges and the uh, the ice you got to drive through. And often we sometimes get a kick out of the fact that here in Southern California, we get a little bit of rain and it's like, oh, my goodness, look out. I often kids, now let's talk about being hardy living in, the, in where you are. I often kid family members back up north that their summers often are hotter than what we've got here. Extreme heat in the summer, extreme cold. Now, talk to us a little bit about the the hardiness of people in the Chicago area. Well, what it is, is you acclimate. You know, it's funny when we initially were seeing temperatures below freezing, people were like, oh, it's so cold. And then you say, yeah, but in February, you'd think this was mild. (laughs) And it's really, that's the case. You just kind of have to acclimate. You you know, as the winter begins, you have to get used to the cold temperatures and you have to get used to how to dress properly and how to deal with that. And, you know, the same in the summers. You know, oftentimes in Chicago, it seems we go right from winter to summer or right from summer to winter. There's not really much of a spring or a fall, <laughs> it seems yeah. here. And, and people just have to get used to it and acclimate. But part of the problem when you have such cold and such wind and such extreme conditions this relatively early in the winter season, people haven't had a chance to acclimate yet. Yeah. And they may not be doing all the things, dressing properly or, you know, getting their cars prepped, making sure they're ready to go. Because, of course, in weather like this, you can have a lot of vehicle problems. Yeah. So it's it's basically time and just getting accustomed to it. But part of the issue with this particular weather system is because it's relatively early in the season for this sort of thing, you know, a lot of people weren't as prepped as they might have been had this happened later in the winter. Yeah. Scraping the snow. I know all about that. Uh, Jim, <laughs> Jim, thank you. Uh, happy holidays, my friend. Same to you. And send some of that warmth from Southern California our way, will you? Will do. It's on the way. Uh, Jim Goodis, a reporter anchor at WBBM News Radio Chicago. Well, right now, if you're able to travel for the holidays because your flight isn't canceled, and that's a big if, there is still the risk of getting sick. There's the flu, there's COVID, there's RSV, and a lot of other viruses are still out there, especially in crowded areas. So what's the best way to reduce the chances of coming home with the sniffles, or even worse? Dr. Jose Mayorka is Executive Director of UC Irvine Family Health Center. Doctor, thanks for being with us. So I, I guess I guess if we just sort of sit and barricade ourselves in our homes, we'll be pretty safe. But that's not going to happen. So what can we do? It's definitely not happening, uh, as we could see from the travels and all the reports you all are giving. Uh, but yeah, so really what I've been encouraging 
my patients as well as loved ones is first off, if you're sick, avoid traveling. Spreading your germs to loved ones is not a gift you want to give. If you do get sick while you're traveling, be courteous and wear a mask. And if possible, try to limit your indoor interactions. Uh, one of the other things I always really try to remind folks is don't underestimate washing or sanitizing your hands. Before you pick up those utensils at that holiday party to serve yourself ham, turkey, or tamales, make sure they're clean. Okay, we're lucky here in Southern California. I know I'll be gathering with some friends. We'll be eating outdoors. But let's get to that elephant in the room, the uh, the mask man, the mask issue. Your thoughts on masking up if you're indoors gathering with family uh, over the holidays? Well, I think you could definitely get some insight if you need to wear masks, right? So if you know who's going to be at the party, I think we already know that folks have abilities to test on that day with rapid tests. Uh, maybe if you encourage your, your loved ones and, and friends that you've invited to, to test right before you arrive, uh, that might give you a sense of comfort and safety to go without a mask. Of course, uh, the other thing I'd encourage is if make sure you have good ventilation, good circulation of that air uh, while you're indoors. Um, I'm not not going to say that you shouldn't wear a mask. Of course, if you have some high risk of becoming really ill, you may want to consider doing that, wearing your mask uh, while interacting. And if you once you need to eat or have something to drink, you can take it off. Let me ask you to sort of speak to the person who might feel intimidated nowadays about wearing a mask, especially on a, a plane. And I'll, I'll tell you why I, I bring that up. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was uh, in Spain and I was flying a Spanish airline and they still mandate that everybody wear a mask on the plane. And they were pretty good, maybe about 90 percent at enforcement. So everybody pretty much felt comfortable wearing one. But as you know, U.S. airlines have now stopped mandating masks. And so some people, I suspect, might feel intimidated if they look around and they go, well, I don't know, the guy next to me, he's not wearing a mask, and the woman in front of me, she's not. What do you say to that person who feels like, I don't know, do I want to be the, the person who is the only one on the plane with a mask? Well, the first thing I tell them is really you want to do what's best for yourself, not worry about what others are thinking about or doing. Uh, you know, of course, wearing a mask in crowded spaces is strongly encouraged. Uh, you know, your, your recent travels doesn't surprise me that you see it in different countries. It's a different perspective. I personally traveled during a Thanksgiving holiday, 13 hour trip, which included two separate flights. Uh, my family and I wore N95 masks and only took them off only to drink and eat. And it did the trick. Uh, no one in our family got sick. Oh, but but that's the interesting thing, because the people who don't want to wear masks on planes, they always say, yeah, but you got to take them off to eat and drink. So what's the difference? Mm. How do you address that? Well, the longer you are without a mask, the higher your risk of contracting anything that's circulating in the air. Let's not forget, once that airplane is airborne, it actually has some really good ventilation. You're, you wearing that mask adds that additional protection. Uh, probably the biggest risk in, in traveling in airports is when that, when you're sitting on the tarmac or waiting to depart, as well as walking through that airport, going into those crowded spaces, and of course, going into those restrooms. Uh, ventilation is really limited in there.
It's also that time of year that we're with grandma and grandpa. Uh, and young people will use the argument that, hey, if I get COVID, I get COVID. I'll get sick for a while. I'll be okay. But many others, grandparents, those with medical conditions, could be at risk, could get very ill, could die. That, you know, that's absolutely true. You know, it's it's really unfortunate. I think the data has showed us that those that are highest risk are elderly, have not been fully up to date with their COVID vaccine. Some have even really not gotten the flu vaccine. We want people to be safe, get fully protected, uh, especially those elderly, you know, grandparents. You know, my parents are a little on the older side, too. Uh, I really want to be mindful. Of course, right before I go visit them, I, I make sure all my kids are healthy, including myself, before we, we jump in the car and, and spend the holidays with them. All right. Dr. Mayorga, thank you again. That's Dr. Jose Mayorga, Executive Director, UC Irvine Family Health Center. Coming up, holiday shoppers are out today, but uh, procrastination might not be the reason for getting gifts at the last minute. And if you happen to be married, would you live apart from your spouse, more couples? are actually doing that, and we will try to find out why. Uh, Right now, though, the full report from the January 6th committee is out. It claims former President Donald Trump criminally engaged in a multi-part conspiracy to overturn the lawful results of the 2020 presidential election and failed to stop uh, the, uh, failed to act, rather, to stop his supporters from acting on Capitol Hill that day and attacking the Capitol. Uh, It says the central cause of the insurrection was one man. It says Donald Trump. Uh, Nima Romani, former federal prosecutor, president of West Coast Trial Lawyers, joining us now on In-Depth to talk more about this. Thank you. Uh, First of all, what strikes you most about this report and the the allegations made against the former president? Well, what we saw in this 845-page report is really a closing argument. And, you know, on one hand, the audience is the American people. But we know that this is directed at special counsel Jack Smith and to try to encourage him to move forward with an indictment of the former president really lays out in great detail, much more than the public hearings and the executive summary, the evidence against the former president and his inner circle, establishing that knowledge, that intent, that coordination for that scheme to defraud the United States. Now, of course, you know that the supporters of of Mr. Trump make the argument and they have all along that what we're hearing in the hearings and reading in the in the report is very one-sided because it wasn't a trial, of course, and it didn't have the uh, what would happen at a trial, which is a cross-examination and the ability to introduce other witnesses that would counter what other witnesses had to say. What do you think about that argument? Well, it's a good argument. I mean, obviously, Republicans and Trump supporters are going to say that this is a political witch hunt. And you know, the committee itself said to Republicans, obviously, Republicans didn't really want to participate in that. But, you know, there were witnesses that wanted to testify, but only to testify publicly. And obviously, in a trial, you have the right to cross-examine witnesses and present evidence against you. So it's certainly not going to be a layup for the Department of Justice if they intend to pursue probably the most politically charged prosecution in American history. That being said, just in terms of the straight evidence that I'm seeing, there's more than enough to go to a grand jury and get an indictment against Trump and others. How much concern do you think there is over uh, the, the fact that this might taint the Justice Department? There are a lot of people who have expressed concerns about them passing on their findings to the Justice Department. Their evidence is one thing, but uh, their, their findings and the report saying what should be done, simply another. 
Well, yeah, these are, of course, recommendations, and the Justice Department can act on them or not. And there were even Democrats on the committee that were concerned about making these referrals because, you know, already there's the perception that this is a political witch hunt and Democrats are going after their political adversaries. And even if there is enough evidence to charge Trump and others, there may be some public policy reasons that suggest that the Department of Justice should not do so. And do we want to be a country where we prosecute our political opponents? And is this going to open up a Pandora's box where, you know, whenever um, a new president is elected, the Department of Justice goes after, you know, folks like, you know, Hunter Biden and Hillary Clinton. So that's a real concern that any prosecution will really open the door and there's going to be no going back from that. Okay, so let's say you are the attorney general. So a big task now. Um, what would you do? So if I'm Merrick Garland, you know, obviously I, I cut my teeth as an assistant U.S. attorney, federal prosecutor. I believe that no one is above the law. And whether it's, you know, these fraud charges or the Mar-a-Lago documents or even Trump's tax returns, which will soon be made public, I believe that everyone needs to be held accountable. So I personally would move forward with a prosecution if I thought that there was enough evidence to do so, I would not hold back merely because we're dealing with a former president. All right. Nima, thank you so much for your perspective. Again, that's Nima Romani, former federal prosecutor, president of the West Coast Trial Lawyers. This is KNX In-Depth with Chris Seedens. I'm Charles Feldman. People in stores today are likely looking for some last-minute Christmas gifts, but procrastination might not be the big reason, or at least the only reason, for waiting this long to shop. No, indeed not. Inflation seems to be driving people to delay shopping this year. Higher prices and everything, squeezing shoppers' budgets, pushing them to postpone their buying. Of course, Christmas being on a Sunday gives them more time. With us is Shelby Owens, Director of Business Development at ChargeGuard. She's been following holiday sales trends. Shelby, thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. So uh, if people are waiting to spend the money because of inflation, aren't they worried that as the days go by, maybe things will go up in price as opposed to when normally around this time after the, the main holiday comes and goes, perhaps you can get a good bargain? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's so much unpredictability right now just with buying in general that it's undoubtedly, you know, there's no there's very little ways to track if it's going to benefit you or if it's going to do the opposite by waiting last minute. Yeah, I've heard conflicting reports this year. Some reports saying that there's lots of inventory, big deals can be found this year. Uh, and, and, and also a lot of reports saying if you wait to the last minute, you'll get the better deals. Um, what's 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 really happening? It's it's tough to say. I think it's a mix of both. I think a lot of things go down to the product level. You know, what is in demand, what's not. I think we're seeing a lot of consumers that are kind of, it's a psychological game a little bit, but they're buying needs instead of wants and kind of positioning that as, as gifts and presents and whatnot. And so I think that dependent on the product, honestly, really, um, it, it goes down to that product level of what's going to be available, what's not, what's going to be on discount, what's not. Um, but as much as consumers are kind of think scrambling this last minute, I think so are businesses and brands that are selling on e-commerce and brick and mortar. There's a lot of, like I said, unpredictability just going on in general. 
Are there certain items that that are better buys this Christmas season than than perhaps they were in the past? I would say definitely necessities, right? Because I think we're we're all with with the fear of a recession with inflation, we're positioning things to be more, um, like I said, getting needs instead of wants. One of the trends that I did see that I was tracking with is with COVID, there were so many people that were buying based on comfort and wanting their homes to be more homey and wanting to feel more excited to be home. And what we're seeing now is there's more spin on experiences. Um, we have seen toys decrease. We've seen clothing increase. Um, so again, thinking about necessities and also thinking about we had just such a huge shift in consumer purchase patterns with COVID that um, maybe we're going to start seeing things get a little bit more normal. But again, with inflation, with the fear of a recession, there's just um, a lot of movement in directions that I think people weren't expecting. You know, we talk so much about people crowding out, uh, crowding shopping centers at the last minute, procrastinating or inflation or whatever the, the case may be. But tell me, yeah. how much does shopping online, the fact that we can just sit in our in our sweatpants at home on the couch and do all our Christmas shopping uh, or holiday shopping there, how much does that play into it? Oh my gosh, it plays into it so much. I mean, it definitely doesn't help if you're a last minute shopper. Um, I, I, I can speak for myself. I've, I've got some late presents coming this year. Um, and it's because it's, it's just the last minute, but I do think that people just love that one click buy. And, you know, also I think what's interesting about e-commerce in general, not just the convenience of it, but this does play into the convenience is if you go to a store and you're looking for something specific and it's out of stock, you have to go to the next store and go to the next store. Whereas on e-commerce, you can do a general search for an item and it'll show you what's in stock and you have that ability to purchase it right there and it'll be able to populate what is still currently available. And I think that's also um, a convenience factor for sure. Yeah, but I wonder if this year, because of the horrible weather that we've been talking about on the show for the past uh, hour all over the country and uh, deliveries are really being being messed up because of it, I wonder if if e-shopping is kind of backfiring this year, because if you go down to the store, you can buy your item and wrap it up and take it home or give it to the person (laughs) giving it to. Whereas if you're waiting for it this year, it might be a problem. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I know currently we're sitting in negative six degree weather. So I do know that that's probably affecting my area as well as other areas. But it also, you know, does come down to how how willing are you to go and find that product that you're looking for on the shelves? And how do you know? How can you guarantee that it's going to be stocked? And are you going to get the best price too? right? Because supply and demand, if everybody's going to brick and mortar to look for things, it's is are you looking for a discount? Are you looking for the fastest buy? I think you have to prioritize and make your lists accordingly. All right. Shelby, thank you again. That's Shelby Owens. She's Director of Business Development at ChargeGuard. She's been following the holiday sales trends. She said where she is, it's minus six. Minus six. Minus six. I was going to mention our temperature. I thought maybe she'd throw something at the phone. Yeah, she might get very upset. Yeah. (laughs) You know, if you're married, uh, you're probably going to spend Christmas with your spouse. It makes sense since you live with them and see them every day. But what if you had to drive or 
fly to visit them in their own home. Hmm, that's a reality these days for more and more married couples. The Census Bureau finds the number of married couples living apart rose by more than 25% between 2000 and 2019. Some who live apart say they enjoy their time alone. But is this healthy for a relationship? Irene Abu is a certified life coach based here in L.A. She works with couples and relationships. Irene, thank you for spending some time with us. So why are more married couples living apart these days. What are the pluses? Uh, Thank you for having me. I think the biggest plus would be um, increasing, you know, the mystery, which is going to create intrigue, which is going to lead to more excitement. Um, A lot of times in long-term marriages or partnerships, we start to take each other for granted. So I think that's the number one plus side. There'll also be less arguing Um, The couples will each have a lot more downtime so they can nourish themselves, which will um, give them more energy and um, they'll just be happier overall with their partner. Yeah, but here's the thing. So if, if if you argue too much when you're together and if there's more excitement when you're apart, why not just separate and get on with it? Because you might still really love each other and want to make it work. Yeah, certain parts might still be good, Charles. Yeah, Charles. Come on, Charles. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's let's get to some of the downsides. I don't, I don't know if I'm buying this, but okay, okay. go ahead. Go ahead. What are some of the downsides? Well, a downside could be if one partner is a little bit more insecure about the relationship, that could breed some um some fear that the relationship's gonna fall apart. I think that would be the biggest downside. Okay. And also, also the travel, the travel might not be well, that the tra- easy. Yeah, the tra- boy, the frequent fly- flyer miles you, you need for that. Irene, thank you so much. Happy holidays. All the best. We, we appreciate you joining us and spending some time with so, us. Irene Abu, she is a certified life coach. So wait a minute. So, so the marriage comes down at the end to frequent flyer miles? <laughs> is, that, is that what it comes down In to? In the <laughs> end, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, we are going to uh, – this is, by the way, our, our last in-depth show for this year. We, we were going to be off uh, next week, as we always are, and then we will be back in 2023. But we're going to end uh, the show today by saying goodbye to someone who has been a fixture behind the scenes at KNX for 36 years. Greg Cable has been an editor here for a very, very long time and is responsible for a lot of what all of you folks hear every single day when you tune in uh, to us. Uh, Greg, thanks for being with us. And uh, first of all, I-, I am curious, over 36 years of a career, you've seen a lot of change in the news business, how stories are covered, what we cover. What has changed in in almost four decades of, of being here? Well, a couple of things jump out right away, one of which is the O.J. Simpson trial. I mean, we broke format at the time and carried it live. I mean, cover to cover. And the racial language in that and all the content, and it was just different. We, it was almost shocking to hear because nothing was bleeped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing right. 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 And here we go. And then, and then the audience would get into it because the racial divide on did he do it, didn't he do it, that was pretty clear in L.A. And we used to get calls, hate calls. I got a guy calling me all the time, going, "I'm going to kill you, real menacing really? and stuff." Yeah, wow. yeah. You didn't have the other, you didn't have Johnny Cochran on today. And I said, "Well, mm-hmm. he didn't come out and talk." Yeah. So how much <laughs> anyway? So that also uh, content wise, that changed a lot, and 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 it has kept changing since then. 
uh, how we do business, the digital age. I mean, mm. look, real to real. I was yeah. doing real to real for a long time. So and people understand what you're talking about. Yeah, sh- I mean, the rage. You're talking about actual we had real spools to real tapes. Of that's tape. how we yeah. edited. Yeah. That's how we. And now the digital age has changed everything. You can tr- pivot on a heartbeat and yeah. get stories on quicker, faster, and we can. You can do what you want with the digital. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Let me let me ask you something though. Yeah. Uh, because we can get stories on quicker, as you said, yeah. is that good or bad? Well, you have to use split-second judgment, too. Am I <laughs> yeah. going to put that? Is that a rumor? Is that real? Uh, no, that's where we come into play. So yeah. you've got to use your institutional knowledge and your, frankly, your instincts sometimes. No, nah, I'm not. I don't think that's right. Yeah. I'm not going with that yet. So we do our due diligence. Um, yeah, and by the way, I'm proud that KNX is a station of record. We come up large every time, whether it's a disaster or whatever. One of the weirdest things, we were talking off mic. Uh, weirdest thing of, I think it's the pandemic. Hmm. This is yeah. really weird. Yeah, when it hit, just staffing this place, having somebody come in, everybody was out, everybody left, and just having enough people to put news on was something right out of the gate. And then you walk around L.A., uh, Wilshire and La Brea, hard at drive time, nobody on the road. I've got pictures. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. no one on it's the road. Ghost town. It just. Greg, it was just weird. Two-part question to wrap yeah. things up. 36 yeah. years here at KNX. And by the way, people listening, you're at the desk in the afternoons every day. You've got a great voice. My goodness, you did start off as a reporter in this business. Let me ask you this, though. Two-part question. Yeah. What will you miss the most and what will you not miss at all? Well, the mental stimulation from, the, from when you walk in, uh, you're on the clock, basically, and the clock is your master. Content your master too, but the clock is unforgiving for yeah. for what we do for news radio. You better get it and get it right, and um, just all the mental stimulation about the obviously all the stories are different. You have to decide on those where to play them, how to how to play them, who to reporter, right. whatever, right. and that mental stimulation it makes you at the end of any given day you can be worn out. But now I'm thinking retirement and. Uh, I don't have all that mental stimulation right. and the decisions to make and split all day long. I'm thinking, huh? Mm, yeah, you know. yeah. So, yeah. so, what do you have plans? What are you going to do? Uh, I'm going to go. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, <laughs> better get some hobbies and <laughs> get them a, fast for a minute. No, I have, I have some among other things. Can you do that again? I like that. My partner Rose. <laughs> yeah, and I've got yeah. and my daughters. Jermaine yeah. and Sheena and Monica. And I've got grandkids that I like. <laughs> I absolutely like. And so that's going to be – I'm looking forward to that. Oh, I really okay. am. Uh, so, so yeah, I and a lot of travel, but I think the first week or two will be uh, kind of a decompression. You know, yeah. just oof, where yeah. is the stimulation? So I might be knocking on the door here going, can I come in and do something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always welcome. Exactly. Yeah. Greg, 36 years. Thank you so much for all you've done. It's, yep. been a, it's been a pleasure working with you. Yes, it has. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, it's been real. I love KNX. Best, best we, we love you. We love you, too. Thank you, uh, guys. That'll do it for this edition of KNX In-Depth. Uh, we're off for the holidays. Uh, we'll be back again uh, Tuesday, January 3rd.